0: Listener discretion is advised. Damn it, Sharon, we're going to be late. What's going on, internet and data users? Welcome to the Professionally Silly Podcast. I'm your audible Boothang Amber Smiles-Jones. And if you're a new listener, things are about to get really awesomely <laughs> welcome to the fun the weird the random and today welcome to the creepy this is the podcast where you can experience the internet audibly <laughs> we discuss ghost stories hilarious news stories true crime and every now and then things that make you say what the fuck <laughs> so let's re get that here I love it first things first I want to go ahead and shout out my listeners, new and returning, because I appreciate you guys, you know, for letting me inside your heads. I have to tell you, you know, now that, that podcasts are a thing, my plan to take over the world is, is getting so much easier. Chief Lane,
1: what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world.
0: Ah, true words never spoken more true by such a wise Rat. Um, Last, if you don't know who that is, come on. We're talking about pinky in the brain. Come on, guys. Last week, we talked about the worst Valentine's Day stories. As I mentioned many times before, my love life is garbage. Therefore, I'm not exactly a huge fan of Valentine's Day. Um, Anywho, uh, that podcast episode was, uh, dedicated to all my single people out there. What's up? By the way, Steve email me the minutes from last week's, uh, single as fuck meeting. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Some things I need to go over. Um, this week, I'm kidding. There's no meeting, but there should be, I should make a Facebook group single as fuck. Well, I'll think about it this week. Um, I thought we would dive into something I've always wondered about, and I'm sure It may have probably crossed your minds at one point, too. Let's talk about horror movies that are based on true events. Now, guys, there are actually a lot of them, a lot more than I thought. What the fuck? My cat just lost her mind. Are you okay? Like, chill out. Sit down. Mama's recording. So anyways, there are a lot more horror movies uh, that are based on true events than I thought. You know, so we may revisit this topic in the future I'll probably do like a um. I'll probably do like two or three, maybe four. This episode, we'll see, because there's a lot of research to do. Uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be dope though. It's gonna be dope. This is this is gonna be a fun episode. So if you're easily scared or you just you know, in layman's terms, a huge pussy, uh, turn this podcast episode up and uh, put on your big boy slash girl slash they panties, okay. 'Cause uh you about to get grown as fuck with me tonight, all right? <laughs> Listen to discretion is advised. Um when we <laughs> But you know, when we go to the movies, we we go there to escape reality, even even though the scripts are most likely pulled from someone else's reality. Uh but of course being human beings, it's easier to enjoy horrifying, thing, horrifying things if we feel separated from a scary situation, if that makes sense. For instance, um, when we go see a slasher film, we sit there in- entertained as each character is killed off one by one. We pay to see people get killed <laughs> as a form of entertainment, which which isn't that strange when you think about it, about the history of human culture. There, there has... There was a time at one point when people went to see public executions. That was like, you know, that's like going to the park. You It was like something to do, you know. There were probably families rushing to get out the door, trying to get to the execution early so they can get good seats, I'm sure. <laughs> but one thing is for certain, um, whenever I go to a scary movie or a horror film, the fr- I like to say scary instead of horror because it always comes out horror horror. (laughs) Whenever I see a scary movie, and the first thing I see on the screen in the beginning is inspired by true events or based on a true story. Like I know shit's about to get real.
1: Obscure scene, take two. Action.
0: Damn it, Sharon, we're going to be late. The kids are dressed. They've already eaten their porridge. The horses are ready. (laughs) Uh, If we don't leave now, we're going to miss the hangings. And you know, I like to see the executioner set up the gallows before they start. God damn it, Steve. Let me just. I'm just switching my bonnet. Jesus, I'll be ready in five minutes. So. Clearly, this is going to be a very fun and interesting episode, guys. Um, if you're listening to this podcast on an Apple device or another podcast platform that allows you to rate and review, hook us up with a five-star rating and a written review on the Professionally Silly Podcast. Because let me tell you guys, every time I get a good review or you know a good rating, it helps my podcast be easier to find by those who haven't heard of me yet. So that will be super helpful. Also, guys, make sure you email me at Jones at gmail.com. Your embarrassing stories. Maybe you've got some scary stories, uh, ghost stories, true crime shit. I don't know. Maybe you just want to tell me you love me. I don't know. <laughs> Let's do some some fun listener episodes. So send me your shit. Also, if you want to join in on the silly and you've got the Anchor app, be sure to hit me up. Leave me a voice message. Or you can call slash text my Google voice number as well. Because I want to hear your voices for once eight zero five six six four one eight two eight. The number is down below in the show notes. And that, you know, maybe you got an in- interesting topic you want me to cover. Oh, maybe you want to tell me I suck. I don't know. I don't know. Twit me on Twitter. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Tweet me on Twitter <laughs> and email me. You know, hit me up. Hit me up. And once again, my contact notes. Uh, my contact information is in the show notes below why can't I speak today? I said twits me on Twitter. Wow. Okay. Before we get started with these horror stories based on true events, I have some information for those of you that want to start your own podcast and be as awesome as me. Yep, that's right. I said it. I'm awesome. Damn right.
1: question. We are stuck in the middle of the ocean. Oh, God. Oh.
0: Oh, it's okay.
1: It's okay. I just can't be wrapping. Oh. Susan! Susan! Oh, oh God, I'm in trouble against my foot. Are you all right? Where are you saying that? It's going to be It's going to be okay. <laughs>
0: Now, I'm going to bring us in with an easy one. This one won't freak you out too much unless you like to scuba dive or do things with the ocean or if you depend on people to keep you alive. Um, (laughs) But the idea is pretty terrifying. The movie Open Water. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about here for this first movie here. Lionsgate released the film in 2003. And the movie itself is about a couple, Susan and Daniel, and uh, they take a vacation to the Caribbean. They took a scuba diving trip with a uh, scuba diving company along with uh, other tourists. Now, after swimming around with the fish and whatnot, everyone got back to the boats to head back. But the tour guide miscounted and left them behind in the middle of the ocean. So when the couple resurfaced, uh, they realized the boat was gone and uh, that then they could really do nothing but wait and hope that someone rescues them. So they stay stranded out at sea for days, being stung by jellyfish, bitten by uh, various sea creatures like barracudas and even attacked by sharks. Ugh, which is like, ah, terrifying. So unfortunately they were never seen again. Now that is some terrifying shit. That's pretty much what the whole movie uh, is about. Now, I, I don't, I don't, I don't care how brave you are, how strong of a swimmer you are. That is some terrifying as horrifying as shit. And I, look, I already personally, I already swam like a damn rock. Okay. So my ass would not have been out there in the first damn place. No, ma'am. But ugh, But um, what people may not know is that this movie is actually based on a true story. Something that actually happens. Thus bringing us in, as I said before, our first movie of the day, horror movies inspired by true events. Ooh, right? Okay. I, I don't know why. Just, just pay attention. Um, <laughs> on um, January uh, 25th, 1998, Eileen and Tom Lonergan uh, went to Australia, Australia with a scuba diving group with the Outer Edge Dive Company near the Great Barrier Reef to dive. And on their third dive, they supposedly swam away uh, from their dive tour boat and were never seen again. Now the couple just had just returned from um, from two I think it was like two years earlier returned uh, from the Peace Corps and they had decided to take a scuba diving tour. When the rest of the divers returned to the boat, no one noticed that Tom and Eileen hadn't returned to the boat, and no one had noticed that they were even missing until two whole days later, which is fucking insane. And and guess and guess how they realized they were missing. They only realized they were missing is because they found their belongings on the ship. So the skipper of the boat found Tom's wallet and glasses that were left behind on the boat. And you know what I'm saying? I guess that's when the crew was like, uh, "Well, this is odd. Um, who left their wallets and seeing glasses on the boat?" Uh, whatever. I'm on break. Like, <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. Oh my goodness. Okay. No, I can't even imagine how terrifying those moments were for them. I don't swim very well at all. I mean, I can swim in a pool if like I can get to the side of it, like hold on to the wall or something. But the ocean is a whole nother ball game. There is no wall to hold on to. There is no bottom of the pool that you can push yourself off of. You know, there's you know what I'm saying? And there's also like there's like currents and waves and and shit, you know, so yeah, all sense of security for them was completely gone when you think about it, and that's terrifying. Now it's um, it's like the quote from that novel, "The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner," which is written by Samuel Taylor Coleridge, um, and the 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 quote is "Water, water, everywhere, manada dropped to drink," and this. The book itself starts off with an old man, the Ancient Mariner, who stops someone who is on the way to uh, who stops people who are on the way to a wedding reception uh, with two of their friends, and uh, the Ancient Mariner uh, shared an interest, interesting story to share with them um, <clears throat> about sailors who were uh, stranded in the middle of the ocean, surrounded by water, but obviously they can't drink any of it because you know it's salt. And in case you guys aren't aware, you shouldn't drink salt water. Not a good idea. I feel like I shouldn't have to say that, but you know, just in case. Um, trust me on that one. It's uh, actually a pretty good book, The Rhyme of the Ancient and I haven't read it in a while, but I remember enjoying the story. Anywho, back to Tom and Eileen. So they were stuck in the middle of the ocean with no boat, just just nonstop doggy paddling and like salt water hitting them in the face and mouth and and whatnot constantly, so once they found um, Tom's wallet and glasses, forty-eight hours later, the the skipper called the hostel that they were staying at, and no one had seen them. So a manhunt began and lasted for about uh, about five days, but their bodies were never found. Now months after their disappearance their diver's slate was found with a written message on it. And a, um, a diver's slate is a board that divers use to communicate underwater. It enables them to uh, to be able to write underwater, which is kind of cool. So um, when they located his dive slate, there was a message written on it uh, in Tom's handwriting. And it said, we have been abandoned by MV Outer Edge 25 January 98 3 p.m. Please help rescue us before we die. Help with uh, three exclamation points. I can't even imagine how horrifying that must have been. Good God. Um, It said that their scuba vests were later found 100 miles north of where they were last seen. And it was reported that there were no signs of teeth marks or blood on them. Elaine's, um, Eileen's wetsuit was located later as well near the bottom and uh, it did have rips in it though uh, their air tanks were found as well and a lot of people found that strange because uh, they could have used that as flotation uh, flotation devices i think that's one of the reasons people think maybe they were eaten by sharks or something the creator slash writer of open water Uh, His name is Chris uh, Kentis. Hope I said his name right. Um, He read about Tom and Eileen's story in a scuba magazine and decided to make a movie about it. And he shared in an interview that he didn't do any research about Tom or Eileen when creating the movie. He said he didn't want to represent the relationship or their lives. You know, he also shared that he wanted to leave the location of the movie ambiguous because uh, they didn't want to ruin anyone's tourist trade is is pretty much the reason, you know, um, which makes sense. You know, I feel like if you find out <laughs> in the mo- millions of people are watching this movie and you're like, oh, that's the tour group. Yeah. Not going there. You know, <laughs> you know? that's how that shit works. Um, so <laughs> the film um, Open Water had a small budget. And it was uh, filmed on weekends and holidays, which, you know, sounds like your average creator, your average content creator, your average YouTuber, average podcaster, you know what I'm saying? Um, so the, so the um, Sundance Film Festival loved it and Lionsgate got on board, pun intended, or maybe not, um, the, uh, uh, horrible, horrible human being. The movie made about $54 million worldwide. And that, that also led to uh, two sequels, Open Water 2, Adrift, and Open Water 3, Cage Dive. And I'll be honest, um, i never seen the last two um, sequels. I didn't see them. Because, you know, usually sequels ruin the originals, like, when when it comes to movies. So I rarely watch sequels to movies. Like, uh, maybe I'll give it a shot, but usually I won't spend money on it. I might wait till it's, like, streaming or something at this point. But, um... Because the conspiracy theories, because conspiracy theories are a thing, there are many that believe um, that the Lonergan's faked their deaths uh, on purpose to collect on their life insurance. But only one problem with that theory is no one ever tried to collect it. You know, another theory is that there was a suicide murder pact. Apparently, according to Eileen's diary, Tom had suicidal thoughts of his own. Um, Tom's journal also seemed to support what Eileen's journal said. How comes women have diaries and men have journals? What's that about? You know what? Tom had a fucking diary. There we go. Ha ha. So I'm such an asshole. But I, it's just like a double standard thing. I don't know. So um, <laughs> so Tom's diary seemed to support what Eileen's journal, yeah, swish it up, said. And Tom said um, he had an entry in the journal. That read Like a student who was finished an exam Oh, excuse me, like a student who has finished an exam, I feel that my life is complete and I am ready to die. As far as I can tell, from here, my life can only get worse. It has peaked and it's all downhill from here until my funeral. That's some fucking depressing shit. So I can understand why people think that it may have committed suicide, but I don't think he would have taken his wife with him. I, I don't know. I don't know. Now, of course, the ones closest to him think that all that is bullshit and their loved ones didn't commit suicide or disappear on purpose. Um, Tom's mother, Elizabeth, had this to say, I will tell you what the story is. They were left behind. All this talk about them um, wanting to disappear is just a bunch of garbage. Somebody left them in the water and they did not report it for two and a half days. Which, I mean, that makes sense. And I understand her anger. And I I completely get that. Even Eileen's father went snorkeling in that same location to determine how difficult it could have been to escape the water that that his daughter was left behind in. The New York Times interviewed him and um, he shared, and this is a quote, it's easy to ask, why didn't they swim to safety? But at water level, you can't see anything. And the current wears you out. The Australian dive industry wanted to prove that Tom and Eileen faked their deaths, but the survival rate of being in the ocean with no place to go is nil. And that makes complete sense. And I can only imagine how maybe even traumatic or emotional he may have felt uh, going to the same place that his, that he never, you know, that his daughter disappeared in that, that couldn't have been easy. Eileen's uh, father, and his name is John Haynes, said that he was, uh, he was glad that the movie was made, uh, he, that he wasn't glad that the movie was made, you know, and at first he said he, he couldn't watch it himself, but, um, which makes sense to me, but um, after a while he realized he was glad that it was made, you know, but I, I, honestly, I, I don't think I could watch someone act out the scariest moments in the life of someone that I loved, especially like a child, You know, that's hard. I couldn't imagine. But um, he later said, he he, he said later that he saw the film and said that it brought him some peace. And uh, he shared with E! Online, and uh, this is another quote here. For me, this film provides a definite amount of closure. It partially fills up in a gap which I imagine a body and funeral must normally satisfy. I say partially because obviously the film is pure speculation. And Eileen and Tom's fate is only known to them. So, okay. Also, get this, guys. Apparently, being left behind in a scuba trip uh, isn't really that uncommon. It happened again in 2008, which wasn't that far ago. <laughs> wasn't that long ago. Uh, Richard Neely and Ellie Dalton are uh, two more divers that were stranded. Um, I mean, it really wasn't that long ago. Um they were stranded off the coast of, uh, guess where the fuck motherfucking Australia. God, you guys, y- Australia, could you like stop <laughs> abandoning people on scuba trips? Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is probably going to fuck up the touristing stuff there. If you're going to Australia to scuba dive, don't. <laughs> it's just trying to save your lives here. <laughs> They were stranded for almost an entire day before they were rescued. So the good news is they were rescued. They were luckier than Tom and Eileen, thank goodness. Uh, But at least, yeah, at least they were actually found. Richard and Allie tied themselves to each other and drifted about nine miles from their original dive site. And they were rescued about 19 hours after they were abandoned. Listen, people of color, this is a PSA for you. Keep your asses out the ocean, okay? These white couples are being left behind, okay? Imagine how they feel about you, okay? You think they're going to think twice about leaving your black, brown, slash, yellow ass behind, okay? I'm trying to save y'all lives. I'm being dead. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to hell. <laughs>
1: This? You tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Well, oh, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? I'll oh, do some scary movie. You like scary movies. Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Um Halloween. No, the one with the guy in the white mask who walks around and stalks babysitters. So, you got a boyfriend? <laughs> Why, you want to ask me out on a date? Maybe. Do you have a boyfriend? Mm. No. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? Because I want to know who I'm looking at. What did you say? I want to know who I'm talking to. That's not what you said. What do you think I said? What? Hello? Look, I gotta go Wait, I thought we were gonna go out Uh, Nah, I don't think so Don't hang up on me
0: Shit Yes? I
1: told you not to hang up on me What do you want? To talk Well, dial someone else, okay? Uh, Listen, asshole No, you listen, you little bitch
0: on me again, I'll you like a fish. Understand? Can you see me? Uh, <laughs> I love it when she runs around the house locking all the doors and windows all of a sudden. It's like, bitch, why weren't they already locked? Like, <laughs> See, this right here, this right here is why white people get killed in horror movies. Okay, because they do stupid shit like don't lock their doors. <laughs> See, black people only get killed in horror movies because white people write it that way. I'm just saying. All right, so uh, obviously, this movie is a freaking classic. The slasher film that made Ghostface famous. Wes Craven's movie, Scream. Yeah, right? What a wonderful intro I just gave him. He didn't deserve that. Okay, I saw this movie and, um, and uh, a couple of the sequels. I, I think there were four or five Scream movies. Hold on. Alexa, how many Scream movies were there?
1: There have been four movies in the Scream series since the first one came out in 1996
0: cool so four (laughs) thanks boo she is so useful all right but the first one in my opinion uh was the best one um but what people didn't know about the movie is that it was actually based on a real serial killer the gainesville ripper yeah brought to you by florida yeah, you guys didn't think I'd find a way to fit, to uh, fit Florida in there. Well, I did. <laughs> let's sum, let's sum up the uh, the movie Scream for those who have never seen it, which is weird as fuck at this point. Uh, so the movie starts off, um, you know, the iconic phone call scene that we all know and love, the one that we just heard. Uh, Drew Barrymore's character, high school student Casey Becker, super white name, receives a phone call from an identified. Unidentified uh, caller with a super creepy voice. And of course, it's nighttime and Casey is home alone because, you know, duh, horror movie. Um, so the voice on the phone asks her if she likes scary movies. Well, you just heard the scene. So fast forward Casey and her boyfriend are murdered. <laughs> Huge fast forward. And then we meet Nev Campbell's character, Sydney. Prescott, another student, um, and it's the anniversary of her mother's death, and it's arrived. And uh, she is receiving, she's also receiving creepy phone calls, just like Casey did. And the killer gets into Sydney's house and tries to kill her, but fails. Now, no one in their town knew who the killer was he he always wore that white distorted mask with the huge open mouth you know the ghost face mask you know and so everyone was suspicious of everyone now Sydney thinks that the men closest to uh closest to her in her life could be the killer you know first her boyfriend then it was she thought it was her father and then and then the um the principal of the school is killed. So now, naturally, the kids, are, you know, they decide to throw a party. Naturally, you know, ah, yeah, mm, they killed the principal. Let's party, you know, and uh, the, the local news reporter. This is Courtney Cox's character. Gail uh, decides to attend a high school party because she thinks the killer will be there. Yeah, all of that sounds like a great idea long story short uh everyone suspected everyone of being the killer uh then people got murdered and then you know more scream movies came out over the years and somehow managed to find another storyline sort of in a way <laughs> but um i didn't tell you the entire story because it's still a lot of fun to watch and let's just say a lot of people get killed that you didn't expect to get killed but it was it was just a lot of fun it was it was filmed in a thrilling and comedic way like i I think it may be one of the first scary movies that had like 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 obviously funny moments involved, at least that I can that I can think of right now, you know. But now let's get into the true events that led to the making of Scream. Who the fuck is texting me? God damn it! All right, let's get to the making of Scream. Um, It was inspired by the Gainesville Ripper, who went on a real life killing spree in Gainesville, Florida, and this this is at the University of Florida. About six years before the movie, the Ripper murdered and raped several college students. Now, at the end of summer, at the end of the summer of uh, 1990, students at the University of Florida began to move onto campus and get ready for the fall semester. And the campus was like, it was bustling with students at this time, like everywhere. Everyone's getting books, fighting their way around the campus, moving into their dormitories. You know, you know, how it is first day of like the first week of school is just like busy as shit, you know, and um, the morning of August 24th, uh, that summer, a couple of college students who lived off uh, campus, ho- who lived off campus housing, 18 um, year old Sanja Larson or Sonia Larson and 17 year old Christina Powell, now, they were murdered. The Ripper broke into their apartment, assaulted and murdered them. And I'm saying assaulted. Well, he he sexually assaulted them. He raped them. Um, but ugh, I hate that word. But that's what happened. Uh, the two girls were asleep at the time. Their bodies were found two days later on the 26th by the local police. The Williamsburg um, apartment complex in Gainesville, Florida, where, uh, that's where the murders took place. They are still there currently, those particular apartment complex. So the very next day after Sonia and Christina were killed, the 25th, this is on the 25th of August, the Ripper killed again. But this time he took things to another level. So he broke into 18 year old Krista, Christi- excuse me, 18 year old Krista Hoyt's apartment, but she wasn't home. So he decided to wait for her. And uh, when she arrived the next morning, because he was gun ho on killing someone, he waited for her. <laughs> she arrived the next morning, and she was raped and stabbed many times. But this time, he decapitated her. And I got to be real with you guys, I never truly understood the whole decapitation thing. Like, okay, I understand actually I don't really understand killing because it's not really something I think I would be able to do but I I guess anyone is capable of anything given certain circumstances you know and like I always say you never truly know anyone but cutting off someone's head that's a lot I'm just saying I don't ew all right I even okay Get back. I even heard uh, <laughs> this is gross. I even heard that the killer set the head across from the room on a bookshelf so that she could see herself, which if that wasn't creepy enough, the it said that um, he cut her her nipples off and then kept them as souvenirs, which is super creepy as fuck. So not only did he cut off her head he set the head in a place so that the head and the body were facing each other, which is really fucking weird. And then he sliced her nipples off. So yeah, that's they left that part out in Scream. I don't remember anyone's nipples getting cut off. So as you, can, ugh. So as you can see, the murder weapon uh, on Scream was also a knife. And in real life, uh, that's that's the that's the weapon that the Gainesville Ripper had chose as well. He likes to cut stuff. Now, the last two victims were 23-year-olds, Manuel Tabata and his roommate, Tracy Tracy Pauls. Their bodies were found on the 27th in their apartment. So everything started around uh, the 24th, you know, and then we're now on the 27th of August. It's just a few days, you know, and they found their bodies in their apartment on the 27th. Now, which now this is actually the day after. After, the 27th was the day after Sonia and Christina's bodies were found in their apartment. So um, the of Ripper was definitely on a killing spree. Um, Manuel tried to fight back, but in the end, he lost. And then the Ripper then taped Christina's mouth, assaulted, and then murdered her. So, by the way, i if you guys can hear that beeping sound, one of my neighbors has just they're really shitty cooks and their smoke alarm goes off like every damn day. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So after the murders with, uh, after the murders of Manuel and Christina, the killings all of a sudden stopped. The entire city was terrified. Now some students decided to leave the college and transfer elsewhere and about 34,000 Gainesville residents fled the city. You know, so that's it. Things were so terrifying that people were packing up and moving out of Gainesville, like leaving. Some are even leaving the state. That's that's I mean, the city was in a state of panic. Nobody understood what was going on, because at first the river seemed to be killing young girls. But then, you know, he threw in Manuel in there. And everyone was like, oh, so he's just killing anyone. None of us are safe. So um, I'm assuming that's, I mean, that's terrifying when you think about it. So a few days after Manuel's and Tracy's bodies were found, a suspect was arrested. 18-year-old Edward Humphreys, who lived in the same neighborhood as the first two that were killed, who was also described as emotionally disturbed. So... Had to whet a whistle, um. <laughs> so Ed uh, looked, um, Ed looked the role of a villain, and it 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 was certainly easy for people to see him as one because he had scars on his face and oop. Oh, police are here. I hope the Gainesville River is not here. Okay. <laughs> no, that's just the sound of Los Angeles police in the background at all times. It will be weird not hearing sirens <laughs> in the background of Los Angeles. Okay, where the fuck was I? Okay, so he, Ed, uh, looked the role of a villain because um, he had scars on his face and um, often showed off his hunting knife and his hunting knife collection and would disappear into the woods at late at night. Okay? Now, it's obvious that Hollywood has obviously just kind of over the looks of villains, and usually when you can see that they have physical scars on their face or body, they're, they must be evil. It's just like Scar from The Lion King. He was evil as fuck, and he, his name was Scar. Fuck, you know? But that's not necessarily, you know, the truth in real life. Not everybody that has a deformity or disfigurement is a serial killer, Okay? So just going to go ahead and shut that down. Um, (laughs) But when you also um, show your hunting knife collection to people, hey, uh, you want to check out my hunting knives? You want to see what's going on there? That's weird. And then you disappear into the woods late at night. I can see how the neighbors came up with the conclusion that he might be a murderer. Okay, look, man. All right. When people are being murdered by stabbing, Maybe don't show off your hunting knife collection. You know, doesn't seem like the right time, honestly. I, th- this is just I'm just trying to help Edward out. Um but his, his but his biological samples didn't match the evidence that police collected. So, his DNA was not found at any of the scenes. Now, I know it's hard to hear, but hear a duck, see a duck, then you can't be like, "Oh, that's a horse." OK, <laughs> I mean, Edward was not a Boy Scout by any means. I think he was also arrested for, like, attacking his grandma or something. So he, he, he definitely wasn't innocent, but he was innocent of these specific charges. So there's that. So about 45 minutes. I wonder what's going on. Hold on. I am going to check my citizens app because I keep hearing all these fucking alarms, like uh, sirens and shit. And it makes me wonder if there's like something going on in my neighborhood. Let me see here. Person assaulted off of Sunset and Western. Oh, I mean, it sucks, but it's not like huge. Okay, so <laughs> let's get back to the story. Where was I? Hmm. Okay, so as I was saying, his, um, he wasn't a Boy Scout, but he also was not, you know, uh, guilty of these uh, particular charges. About 45 minutes south away from Gainesville in the city of Ocala, uh, in 1991, da- a guy named Daniel Rowling, Rowling was arrested for robbing a Winn Dixie. And for those of you that aren't familiar with that, it's a, uh, it's a supermarket uh, grocery store chain. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Oh, Dixie is pretty uh, was pretty popular in the Southeast in the '90s because th- they had one in Georgia too, where I grew up. So, um, anywho, he was um, also identified by Louisiana police as a possible suspect for a string of similar murders, uh, like the ones in Gainesville, Florida. After his DNA was tested, it was learned that he was indeed the Gainesville Ripper which would make him ghost face. So he pled guilty to the student murders. His campsite in Gainesville was thoroughly searched and they found tools that were used during the murders. Uh, uh, They found like, you know, like scotch, uh, scotch tape, (laughs) duct tape, that kind of thing. Um, They found dollar bills that were stained with uh, theft resistant dye. They've, and um, they also found audio tapes that he made for his family. They uh, found a country song that he had written and recorded. I, you know, he was like playing the guitar and singing. It, I've heard a little bit of it in a, a podcast that I heard. I don't I, I couldn't. He did not have any talent. Let's just say that. OK, Um, he wasn't very good. I think Simon would have had a few things to say if he ever ended up on American Idol. you know. Uh, He was, however, suspected of murders in Shreveport, Louisiana, as well. And it turns out he did um, some stabbing out there, too. So he was just just stabbing people just stabbing all over the South. And he was given three consecutive life sentences for the robbery charges in 91. And he was tried for the murders in 94. Now, Daniel claimed that a demon told him to commit the murders, which is, you know, he's a lying sack of shit. And, and it sounds kind of um, interesting when you think about it, because it, it sounds like the plot uh, of the third Exorcist movie. You can remember the Exorcist. It's a beautiful love story about demons and Romance. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and guess what? That movie came out just before his murders. So perhaps the third Exorcist movie, you know, gave him the idea. It's also said that he uh, stalked a few of the students who left that movie from the theater. So it's possible. Now, good news is he was executed in Florida in 2006 by lethal injection. He left behind fear and a legacy that Hollywood kept alive. Now, at his trial, uh, Daniel said that his motive was to become a superstar. You know, it turns out the screenwriter for the movie Scream, Kevin Williamson, uh, was house-sitting at one point, and And um, this is just a, like a fun little fun fact that I found. That he was house-sitting, and um, he had just seen a documentary on ABC two years earlier before the film's release, before Scream even came out, and after watching the documentary, he felt that he needed to take a look around the house to make sure that there was not an intruder, which is something that I'm sure we've all done after watching or hearing something creepy as fuck in our homes. Or any place, <laughs> you know. And he noticed that one of the windows in the home was opened. And he could not remember for the life of him if he was the one who opened it, you know. So naturally, he grabbed the knife from the kitchen because that's what you did in the 90s. You grab the knife. Actually, I think people still do that. They get freaked out the first place that goes to the kitchen and grab a knife unless they're packing. You know and I'm saying if you got a, if, if you got a gat in the house, you're not bringing, you know, you gonna bring your gun, you know. But anywho. So he grabbed the knife in the kitchen and started to search around the house, much like the first scene of the movie. So there is some background info on the true events that happened uh, that inspired the movie Scream. We have the Gainesville Ripper, who tormented the entire city of Gainesville, Florida, and apparently Shreveport, Louisiana, and then we have, you know, the creator of, um, The screenwriter of Scream, uh, Kevin Williamson, who also had a freak, kind of like a freak out moment when he was house sitting. So that's how movies are made. So when you think about it, we can all write movies. We just, we need to to write things down and find a way to be creative with it. Okay, we all can't write movies because if that were the case, we would all have movies. But That is why YouTube was invented. So technically, we all can be content creators. It's what the fuck I do. Shit.
1: What? I just want to tell you something. What do you want to tell me? You are my girl. I love you, Jimmy. What is that? It's okay, there's nothing here. I haven't heard a dog bark, or a car pass.
0: Open the door and I just want you to run, okay?
1: No! 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 Why are you doing this to us? Because you're home.
0: Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into our next horror movie. Uh, that was inspired by true events. This next film scared the shit out of me. Um, I went to see it in theaters with a friend and I was definitely one of those people who screamed as loud as my body would allow me. <laughs> you know, and Especially at all the jump scare scenes, you know, listen, okay, when I'm scared, I can be quite animated. All right. Anywho, so the movie that we are going to jump into is The Strangers. So the... Oh, God damn it, that fucking dog next door. I can't stand him. All right, so The Strangers came out in 2008 and is definitely, in my opinion... Um, under the slasher film genre, it uh, it was written by Brian Bertino and it starred Liv Tyler and uh, she played Kristen, Kristen, excuse me, and Scott Speedman, who played James. Now, I don't know a whole lot about Scott, but I believe Liv Tyler was in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So you guys uh, who are like super huge fans of that will probably know who she is, which I will admit I've, I've never seen the lord of the rings not one fucking movie not one there's like 80 of them i think i don't know three four five i don't know um everyone always gives me a lot of shit for not having seen that series but whatever um <laughs> just lost like a million listeners so also uh, one of my favorites glenn howerton uh was in the movie and he played a character named mike now he got he was the dude who played dennis from it's always sunny in philadelphia And uh, first of all, I let me just (sighs) I love that fucking show. I just want to say that it's hilarious. It's fucking funny and you need to watch it. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. I think I think the entire series is on Hulu or Netflix at this point. I think. Yeah. But anywho, uh, Glenn, (laughs) Glenn's character uh, gets his head blown off by a shotgun. So, yeah. Can can I also randomly say one more thing Um, as an actor? I have always wanted to do like a horror movie and, and I've always, I've always wanted to be killed in the most creative, thrilling way. Like, I feel like I should, okay, let me explain. Um, I meant the character that I'm playing, not me personally. I don't want to be killed. I want the character that I'm playing to be killed in a creative way. Let's just move on. Okay. Uh, (laughs) A little bit about the movie, The Strangers. James and Kristen, uh, the main characters of the movie, are are together. They're a couple. And uh, James decided to propose to Kristen after they left a wedding reception. And Kristen was like, nah, I'm not ready for that. And of course, James was like, uh, well, this is fucking awkward because... Uh, we have to stay at, at this childhood cabin that my family and I used to go to. Oh, by the way, I uh, thought you would say yes. So there's going to be rose petals everywhere and champagne and shit. Also, my feelings are kind of hurt that you don't want to marry me. So, yeah, he's going through a lot. So, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh you know, super awkward as fuck. So they get into um they get to the family childhood summer home. Because white people always seem to have those things for some reason. I'm such an asshole, but I'm on a fucking summer home. Shit. <laughs> anyway, they start, they both, um, you know, they get talking, they get to talking and it seems like they're going to start to make up when they are disturbed by like a crazy knock at the door. It was just like, like super loud like that. I just hurt my hand. Um, <laughs> <ow>, God damn it. <laughs> things I do for you <laughs> give me five stars <laughs> on iTunes <laughs> Ow, god damn it okay um, so, now mind you they hear this loud ass knock at 4 a.m now this is this is a very strange time for someone to be banging on your door okay it's weird now I'll let you know right now, I get pissed off when people call me super late or early in the morning. So if someone is knocking on my door at 4 a.m. and it's not an emergency, I will unleash a fury on them that they wouldn't believe. I'm just saying, okay? Anywho, they decide to answer the door and there is a, um, a young blonde chick and she's like standing in the dark on the porch. You know, and it's like super dark outside on the porch, but little do they know that she actually unscrewed the light bulb outside so they couldn't really see who she was. So she's standing in the dark and she's like, you know, uh, she asked for a woman named Tamara, is Tamara home? Is, is Tamara home? And they're like, uh, yeah, no, you have the wrong house. So this creepy white lady she leaves and for some reason James decides to leave Kristen, uh you know <laughs> Kristen by herself uh in the house so she can, so he can go get her a pack of cigarettes because this is the opportune time to smoke. So <laughs> I guess he thinks a pack of cigarettes will make her want to marry him now. I don't know his thoughts here. Um while he's gone, Kristen decides to start a fire At the fireplace, but notices that the chimney flute is closed and this causes a smoke alarm to go off. And she, you know, she turns the smoke alarm off, pulls it off the wall, trying to figure out how to turn that shit off, which I'm sure we've all done at one point because those things are super loud and really annoying. And they're also for your safety. So, you know, don't take them down. (laughs) Your PSA. Um, But then she hears a knock at the door again and it scares her, so she drops the smoke alarm onto the floor. Okay, now this is important because later on, when she's walking around the house, she notices that the smoke alarm was sitting on th- on the chair when she gets back to that room. It wasn't on the floor where she dropped it originally, so um, something's going on. You feel me? All right, so she decides to call Jane from her cell phone, but... You know, of course, her battery is dead on her phone. So she calls him from the landline. But then the call dropped because dun, 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 someone cut the phone cord. (gasps) Right? Shocker. But of course, she is not aware of this right away. (laughs) So while James is gone, there is loud and consistent banging going on around the house outside the house inside the house all over so she runs to the kitchen to grab a knife and uh, then runs around the house with this knife and when she gets to a window that's when she sees the dude with the burlap sack on his face and he's wearing it as a mask all right so she backs up freaking out you know, look into the room, and that's when she notices. Oh shit! The smoke detector is on the fucking floor where I dropped it earlier. Who uh, placed it gently on this seat, <laughs> on this chair right here? So that's crazy, right? So long story short, which is kind of hard to do because we've been talking for like 80 million minutes. Um, <laughs> the guy in the mask is accompanied by two other people in masks. You got the doll face chick, and then you got the pinup girl, and um, both of these these chicks, and along with the dude in the And the uh, potato sack mask. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Three of them enjoy scaring the shit out of people before they kill them. So James finally comes back and tells Kristen uh, and and Kristen tells him everything, excuse me, everything that happened. And of course, James is like, "Uh, you're a lying whore. You know, well, that's not what he said, but he didn't believe her at first. (laughs) But he didn't believe her until he saw the man in the mask himself with his own eyes. Now, they both spend the night trying to get away from these terrifying ass fucking people. This movie is so fucking good. It really is. Okay. So now get this. Okay. Their buddy Mike arrives and notices something is wrong and he decides to enter the house. And uh, that's the dude who plays Dennis from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Now, of course... Uh, Mike has no idea uh, that his friends are being stalked by three psychos in masks. He has no clue. So he enters the house, walks down the hall, and there's like this, this it's like the best scene of the movie, in my opinion, like it's fucking fire. I was like on the edge of my seat the entire scene. So he's, Mike's walking down the hall. He doesn't know, but the dude in the mask is standing behind him holding an axe. So of course, this makes the viewer think, oh, the dude in the mask is going to fucking kill him. But nope. James fucking shoots him in the face. It's awesome. I mean, it's not, but it That's just sounded like a complete psychopath. It was just very well filmed. And I was surprised that that was how he died. Like it was great. I didn't expect it. That's what I meant. Okay. I'm not crazy. I swear to God. So I, well, maybe I am a little bit. (laughs) I won't tell you the entire movie because there's like a whole bunch more that I didn't even tell you. But you got to watch it. You got to watch it. But towards the end of the movie, Kristen asked them, why are you doing this? And you know that you know, their answer, you heard it a few moments ago. And their answer was, because you were home. Now that's, well, my, in my opinion, that's one of the reasons this movie is so fucking terrifying, because it's something that could actually happen. That's why it's terrifying. But what made what a lot of people uh, uh, sorry but what a lot of people may not know is that this movie was actually inspired by true events now uh, it's, it's, it's kind of creepy when you think about it it's actually inspired by several true events the Manson family Tate murders the Keddie cabin murders and a series of uh, break ins that occurred in Byron uh, Bertino's neighborhood as a child he was the uh, writer and director of the film, The Strangers. So he took all these things and created The Strangers. And it's kind of it's kind of wild when you think about it. And um, I'll, I'll explain some of the true events briefly, uh, but perhaps I may need to take a deeper dive into them on a future podcast episode or something. I don't know. So Brian explains what happened to him as a kid. And... Um, This is Brian, and I quote, good lord, there's like some dude outside with like a leaf blower, 87 helicopters flying over. Uh, We'll be right back. (laughs) Uh, Sorry about the hold music, guys. It was like annoying as hell. It was like five helicopters looking around in my neighborhood. Then there was like some dude with like a leaf blower and the dog was barking. It was just a lot going on. All right. So anywho, back to what we were talking about, we were talking about uh, Brian Bertino and uh, the the, uh, event that happened to him when he was a kid that actually helped him create the strangers. So Brian explains uh, what happened to him as a kid. And this is um, something that he shared in an interview. He said, as a kid, I lived in a house on a street in the middle of nowhere. One night while our parents were out, someone knocked on the door and my little sister answered it. At the door or at the door were some people asking for someone who didn't live there. Uh, we later found out that these people were knocking on doors in the area trying to see if anyone was home and if no one was home, he was, they were breaking into their houses. Now, that is fucking terrifying when you think about it, because that experience um, is what led to is tomorrow home scene. That's what led to that scene. So (laughs) it's interesting. Um, That movie actually grossed like, what, $82 million at the box office worldwide, and did very well. And the sequel, uh, The Strangers Pray at Night, that came out in 2018. So that was like, you know, two years ago. And uh, I I didn't get a chance to see that one yet, though. I I that's in my queue. I'm pretty sure it's probably on Hulu or Amazon or something, so I'll watch it. Um let's so let's go ahead and start off with the Charles Manson murders in California in 1960s and uh in the 70s, 1960s and 70s. Now, I'm sure that is a name that many of you have heard before, especially if you are into true crime. Charles Manson was a cult leader who was able to convince people to kill other people for him, so yeah. His, yeah, very famous guy. His group had approximately a hundred followers and, uh, they all lived in this weird, unconventional type of lifestyle, kind of like hippie kind of thing. You know, they love to use drugs, including LSD, you know, and that's a, ho- a hallucinogenic drug. Uh, not really a good thing to put in your body. Makes you see shit, <laughs> feel things, you know, all kinds of stuff. They were all pretty much drug addicted hippies looking for somebody to follow and for some dumbass reason they chose Charles Manson and the cult members or as they call themselves a family <laughs> believed that Charles was a manifestation of Jesus and that he could foresee an apocalyptic race war yeah just just all kinds of insane bullshit <laughs> Oh, we should do like a cult episode. Oh, we should do that. We should do an episode about like a random cult. Okay, sorry, I got excited. Um, they, <laughs> they decided to get together and murder actress Sharon Tate and four others in the summer of 1969. Now, I am almost certain that they were high as fuck off some LSD at the time. I'm... <laughs> And by they, I mean, Linda Casabon, uh, I always say her name wrong, Tex Watson, Susan Atkins, and Patricia Kren- Kren- Kinkle? Kreninkle. I don't know. They're fucking murderers. Who cares how they say their names? Um, we <laughs> Who cares? Uh, <laughs> they are uh, group members that are um, also uh, responsible for many other assaults, uh, petty crimes, thefts, and murders. Uh, Charles Manson instructed them to go to a specific address in Los Angeles and kill everyone there. But the home had been recently rented by actress Sharon Tate and her husband, Roman Polanski, who is a director or was a director at the time. And uh, Manson told Linda, Susan and Patricia to do whatever Tex Watson told them to do. So they snuck into the house and killed five people. And... uh, They found Sharon Tate, who was eight and a half months pregnant at the time. Jesus. Uh, Jay Sebring, Wojek Frowowski, I always say his name wrong, too. Uh, Steve Parents and Abigail Folger. Now, that's where they found them in the house. Now, Susan, um, one of the Manson members, wrote the word pig. And Sharon Tate's blood on the front door as they left. And of course, the entire country was aware of these murders at the time. Like this, this was national news at the time. You could not turn on your television and not hear about this. You couldn't pick up a paper and not hear about this. It was all over the radio. It was everywhere at the time. This was this was like the OJ Simpson of the time of trials and and, and newsworthy shit if you think about it okay so um and to be honest with you um the entire country even till this day is pretty much very aware of what the fuck went down at this time so there's not there's just so much more to to the charles story <laughs> the, the phenomena if you want if you want to call it that to the Charles Manson story and I, I may just touch on that in a later podcast episode, maybe. I don't know. I've got so many podcast episodes idea just from this podcast episode. How many times have I said podcast? Huh. Okay. But he, he was arrested. Charles Manson was arrested and uh, put on death row. And he died in prison in California uh, at the age of 83. Now, if I'm not mistaken, those names that I named earlier, I believe that some of them are still alive in prison today. Um I think I think Tex is still alive and I think Susan is. I know two out of the four are are, are alive. I forget who. I really don't care though. Um but yeah that's just insane. So let's go on to discuss the Ketty Cabin murders a bit. <laughs> Yay. Um <laughs> so the Keddy cabin murders, uh the Ketty murders happened in nineteen eighty one. And as to this day is unsolved. And there it was a quadruple homicide that occurred in Ketty, California. And the murders took place in, uh, in Cabin 28 um, of the campsite, uh, <clears throat> in, excuse me, in Cabin 28. And um, on the evening of April 11th, 1981. Now, the very next day, the bodies of Sue Sharp, Her son, John Sharp, and John's friend, Dana Wingate, were found the morning of April 12th by Sue's 14-year-old daughter, Sheila, which I cannot even fucking imagine. And another girl named Tina was missing from the cabin. But in 1984, Tina's skull and several other bones were found at Camp 18, California. And yes, that's the actual name of the city. I googled it. Camp 18. Yep. I don't know why um they they had multiple suspects over the years but no one was ever charged with the crimes of course the investigation was disorganized and poorly done because police in the 80s well you know they sucked <laughs> and to be honest with you if 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 you were going to be a criminal uh the 80s and earlier was literally the best time to do it dna wasn't really a thing cops were lazy as fuck or they were dirty being the criminals themselves and for some reason this was the time when people could leave their doors open <laughs> because it it was safe I, every time i watch a true crime documentary and it just happened in in the 80s or before it's like oh yeah we used to keep our doors open windows unlocked you know if, Nothing ever happened. It was safe. We just felt safe. I don't know why. I've never felt like I could just keep my fucking windows open. Fuck that. <laughs> Anyhow, so we're talking about a time when kids will be able to like they were able to go outside and play from sun up to sun down with no supervision. Ah, the eighties, good times. Okay, but as as time goes on, uh, a lot of these um, you know these these unsolved murders are starting to make traction so you you may have heard about the golden state killer being caught recently like that was that was a cool case i mean a cool case that was a cold case same thing that was a cold case for uh 40 plus years dna bitches okay so from what i understand several new leads have been discovered as recently as 2016 they found a hammer uh and in, in a pond And there was some DNA evidence on it or something. So I I don't know how, but whatever. And uh, (laughs) there are several documentaries uh, and movies based on it. So a lot of things exactly like The Strangers. So it's just... uh, It kind of puts a new perspective on all these movies and TV shows that we love so much We don't always really think about... We just think it's fiction. Oh, it's not real. This couldn't happen. But perhaps there may be a little bit of truth behind the things that we find so entertaining. I don't know. Something to think about. (laughs) If there is anything that you can take from this podcast episode it's shit gets real. Okay. Also real life can make that bank. Okay. Let's all just start writing movies. All right. Cause I'm, I've been through some shit. Let's, let's get paid for our fears. How about that? 2020 baby. <laughs> Plus yeah, I need these bills paid. All right. <laughs> our professionally silly life rules, y'all. Professionally silly life rules. That's a mouthful. Um, I certainly hope that you guys enjoyed this creepy and weird, oddly, odd, just oddly silly uh, episode. <laughs> Took a lot to say that. <laughs> it's crazy. But make sure you guys show your support for your girl by leaving five star review on Apple Podcasts. It makes it easier for my podcast to be found by listeners who haven't yet heard of professionally silly yet. So yes, um, I've got a few, a uh, couple of text messages from my Google voice number that I want to share with you guys. Let's see here. First one says, Hey, Amber, it's Damaje. I'm listening to your Valentine's Day Disasters episode of your podcast. I can't with, with you saying playing the skin flutes. <laughs> I've never heard that. I've never heard that one before. Keep up the great content, love. That's funny as fuck. Um, Yeah, I I may have mentioned the phrase skin flute. Yeah, take a look at that. This is another way of saying a man's penis. We had a lot to talk about that podcast episode. (laughs) <laughs> but yes, love. Thank you so much for your support. Demage has been supporting professionally silly since like since I can remember. Uh, my 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 podcast, my YouTube channel. She watches all of my random ass lives on Periscope. So appreciate your support, boo. Um, I've got another text that I want to share with you guys. And it says here, this is Antonio, ooh, male listener, look at this. I have been watching your podcast and YouTube channel uh, that my wife Dimples got me into and you are very entertaining and fun. I enjoy your channel and I am Smile Squad, (laughs) keep it up. I love it. First off, okay. Let's go ahead and shout out Dimples. Hey Boo! Not only uh, did Dimples um you know bring in her boo thing into the smile squad, her, you know what I'm saying? Uh, she also Um went ahead and donated $20 via Super Chats. On my last YouTube live video, and that which is, I oh my god, I hella appreciate that because that money is gonna go towards you know the future content for professionally silly. So, (laughs) Jesus, for this, for this and my podcast as well, and my my podcast as well, for this and my YouTube channel as well, I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like hella real with you guys. I'm always blown away by the support that you guys all show me. Like, thank you so fucking much. Also, if if fuck, man, like uh, I, I'm i all warm inside like shit. <laughs> also, guys, if there is a podcast that you like um, another podcast that you like, do that podcaster a favor, you know, leave them a five star review for their podcast as well. You know, it it makes our day to know that our listeners are not only listening, but they are enjoying what they're listening to. It's like it's a visual validation that every conf- every uh, content creator wants to experience, and they they want to know that their all the research and sacrifices and hard work and creativity are you not only appreciated but enjoyed. You know, because there are just so many amazing podcasts out there, listeners. Not to mention so many amazing content create creators in general. You know, YouTubers out there busting their ass, bringing you the dopest content that they can off their dime, you know, so I think it's amazing. You guys have to remember that, uh, you know, these smaller creators like myself, podcasts and YouTubers, you know, they, they have day jobs, <laughs> you know, what I'm this ain't paying their bills. So they spend a lot of time putting, putting, uh, their, themselves into the stuff that you find entertaining, that is free for you to enjoy so you know just leave a review leave five star rating for them if, if you've love if you love what they're doing on their podcast leave comments subscribe hit the like button if you're watching their youtube you know leave you know let them know let them know it's it's free for you to do that and it's like literally literally the least you can do so please do that um shout out to wikipedia murderpedia which is a thing i know you if you're not a true crime person you didn't know Murderpedia is like the murder version of Wikipedia. Like legit, go there. Uh, YouTube and Google for helping me find the movies that actually have true events behind them, and uh, and also the stories that I found out, uh, you know, about them as well. Uh, <laughs> those are some kick-ass sites that I use to research. By the way, <laughs> um, by the way, in case many of you are not aware. Wikipedia is one of the most used websites in the world, and uh, the reason that it's still available to all of us is because people have been donating to the site to keep it up and going. So uh, yeah, if you have a dollar or two, please uh, donate to Wikipedia because I promise you they are definitely responsible for pretty much every podcast episode you've heard every youtube video you've seen i'm sure wikipedia played some role at some point even if the person was just trying to figure out how to spell something they probably you know it's probably it's probably popped up so yeah oh um also guys send in your ghost stories true crime stories alien abductions confessions embarrassing moments whatever you got i want them because i want to start doing listener stories that'll be fucking awesome Um, listen, I know you guys have some shit that you got to get off your chest and don't worry. It can be anonymous if you like, just let me know in your email, hit me up at Amber at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we are getting towards the end of a journey. You know what I'm saying? Make sure you guys check out the show notes below for some more bonus information, like my social my social my social media information. I got TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, a YouTube channel that is also called Professionally Silly, and I've just downloaded this new app called World's Greatest Videos. If you want to create your own fun video content and uh, also have the opportunity to win some money, make sure you download that World's Greatest Videos. Make sure you follow me, Amber Smiles Jones on there. And uh, yeah, all right. Once again, it's your audible Boothang thing, Amber Smiles-Jones. Thank you so much for listening to the Professionally Silly Station recorded here on Anchor FM. Make sure you follow, subscribe, me, fam, me, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I would love it, love it if you would share this podcast and, uh, of course, my YouTube channel with a friend and uh, help a sister grow. It's February. You owe me. I'm black, okay? Happy Black History Month, by the way um (laughs) let's get professionally silly baby yeah this is where I take my silliness seriously until next time my loves watch where you step okay because there's pieces of shit everywhere Also guys, I wanna go ahead and shout out the World's Greatest Videos app. If you want the opportunity to create your own content, you feel me uploaded to that app, there is a very good chance that you could win some money. So make sure you guys go ahead and check out World's Greatest Video app. It's a lot of fun. I have it, check me out, Amber Smiles Jones. Follow me on there. And also, uh, if you have already caught up with the silly, I've got a few other podcasts that I'm sure you guys would love. Take a listen. Hey, True
1: Crime Listeners, check out our podcast I Said Goddamn. We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by two besties who like to share messed up cases that make you say goddamn. Every Sunday we try to one up each other's story by sharing a horrific case the other has never heard of. Along the way we splash in some wildly inappropriate jokes and colorful language. Listen every Sunday from any of your
0: favorite podcast directories. Also follow us on Twitter at @ISGDpodcast or visit our website ISGDpodcast.com.
1: Hey, gamer, my trusted companion confidant slash spirit animal, I don't know if I can convey to the audience how great this podcast is within 60 seconds. Wait, what? I mean, yeah, it's called the LD Podcast because all the information and things you may learn here may cause you overdose. What? I mean, yeah, if you come here with an open mind, heart, perspective, you'll leave with everything plus some laughter. Yeah. What? What'd you say? I mean, yeah, we talk about everything under the sun, around the sun, and in the cosmos. Yeah, yeah that's true. Huh? What? And yeah, it's a perfect place to work on your verbal roundhouses. Damn it, I chose wisely. You heard him here, folks, all right? Here at the OD Podcast, where doses may vary, you get everything you need to become a better person and less of a jerk, all right? Come join us. We promise you'll learn and leave with something amazing. We love you. Come stay with us.
0: Dumb and Busted has been called, quote, one of America's greatest treasures by three out of three hosts of the show. Dumb and Busted is a weekly true crime comedy podcast with stories of exceptionally smart and insanely dumb crimes. Comedian Hunter Donaldson has hailed it as the greatest thing to come out of Portland since comedian Hunter Donaldson, who is me, also a host of the show. Podcasters Allison Copeland and Hannah Ether praise Dumb and Busted as, quote, found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Just more rave reviews from two other people who host the show. Catch us every Thursday and follow us at Dumb and Busted on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Crime you later!